The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of The Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money, Bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. I had a talk with a buddy the other night. Nothing major, not some high-level conversation, just a couple dudes, we had a couple beers sitting around talking about politics, the economy, life, things like that. We got to talking about the American military because this guy is a veteran too. And we were going over the social justice warrior crap that has infected our entire American military. I'm not going into that tonight because this is about China. We were talking about the internal rot and how things are getting weaker and worse. That's what happens with leftism. Leftism destroys. And my buddy at one point in time said to me, you know, China's just going to go ahead and invade one day. And I thought about it for a second. And I told him, why? Why would China invade? What 
are we doing now that China doesn't want us to do? Let's, let's go over this. And then, look, this is going to be sobering. I realize that. This is sobering. But we have to have this talk. What are we doing now that China doesn't want us to do? Think about this. Think about it. Your education system, where 90-some percent of the country sends their kids to government schools, entirely, entirely run by leftists who teach the exact same things that China would teach America's students if they could. If China could teach America's students anything, what would they teach them? They would teach them that America is an evil, racist, disgusting country. I know China would teach America's students that because China has vocally, on multiple occasions, come out in support of all these movements, Black Lives Matter and all that. They love this stuff. They get out in front of the camera and they're like, yeah, you know, that America, it really is an evil place. Okay, so you have America's teachers teaching the students the exact same thing China would want them taught. All right, so let's move on from there. Let's talk about entertainment. What do we do to entertain ourselves? We watch, we watch TV, we watch movies, right? We, we listen to things, of course, but we watch TV. We watch movies all the time. When's the last time you saw a single piece of anti-Chinese film in the movie theater? It's been years, decade, maybe more. Do you know why that is? I'm going to tell you something, and it sucks, but it's true. You can talk to these Hollywood types, they'll tell you. China edits our Hollywood movies for content to make sure there's nothing anti-China in it. Even new movies that are coming out. Top Gun. China had some edits to make. China. The Communist Party of China. They make a phone call. Hey, uh, Mr. Director, mm, that scene doesn't work for me. It's a little too anti-China. Go ahead and cut that out. Okay, so we educate our kids the way they want us to educate them. We entertain ourselves with only media approved by China. We have sports leagues like the NBA openly siding with China and against the United States of America. They'll talk until they're blue in the face about how racist and evil America is, and then they'll go play some hoops over in China. Not a single word about the concentration camps China's currently running over there. That's not good. All right, let's set all that stuff aside. Let's just go to basic economic policy. There has been, with the exception of some senators and congressmen, but in the top job, there's been exactly one United States president in the last 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, who has actually stood up to China when it comes to renegotiating trade deals. Every other president has wanted that lovely, cheap Chinese goods Every other president has known that major American corporations are highly invested in China, so they just kind of want a hands-off policy. Just keep sending us the cheap Chinese crap. We'll, just, we'll ignore most of what you do. Everything's fine. Just everything. Just keep things to status quo. One guy, Donald Trump, to his credit, one guy had been arguing against that policy forever, got into office, and actually did something about it. And in all likelihood, we just bounced him from office. Oh, it gets worse. You see, they steal our intellectual property. Intellectual property theft, 
and nobody ever does anything about it at all. Trump tried to, but nobody does anything about it at all. So they'll actually let Americans invent incredible things, and China will simply take it, study it, copy it, and reproduce it on their own. Why would China ever want to land on our shores? We're the best thing in the world that's ever happened to China. We fund China. We think for China. We educate our population on pro-Chinese things, anti-American things. When it's speaking of pro-Chinese and anti-American, I want you to do something tonight. Sit down with your kids. No matter how old they are, well, I should say no matter how old they are, if they're school-aged, whatever that may be, sit down with their kids and ask your children what they've been taught in school about communism. You don't have to make it. I'm not telling you to get political with your kids. I would never tell you to do that. I tried to keep it out of my house as long as possible, but because of what I do, it ended up being inevitable. Sit down with your kids tonight and just ask them. Don't, don't be biased about it. What have you learned about communism in school? I've done this several times. I, I do it as often as possible. I tell my friends who have children to do it as often as possible because I'm curious about it. Almost zero come back with a report from their child that their child has been taught about the evils of communism. I don't teach that in government schools. They talk about the evil of America. They don't talk about communism murdering 100 million people in the 20th century alone. So again, not to make it too uncomfortable tonight, but why would China want to invade? We're the best thing in the world that's ever happened to them right now. And the one guy, the one guy who was doing something about it just bounced him from office. How's that for sobering? How's that for where we are? Trump knows it too. You know, I'll tell you, for all the other craziness that's going to happen, if Joe Biden is sworn in, that may be the part that I dread the most, even though it's not the sexiest part, the Chinese policy. Because Joe Biden is not just kind of okay with China. As we saw from all the Hunter Biden stuff from his own words, Joe Biden is Mr. China. And man, that sucks. Trump warned about it. If Biden wins, China will own the United States. And I turned it all around, and you know that better than anybody. In 2019, if you go back 10 years, everybody projected 2019, the economy of China was going to be bigger than the U.S., except it didn't happen because I got elected, and I turned it the opposite way. We were picking up much more than them. And then I did the no dumping steel, and I did tariffs, and I did everything on them. No, no, they want uh, Sleepy Joe to win. And if he does, if Sleepy Joe wins, China will own the United States. That's a bitter pill to swallow, but he's right. I remember they were saying three, four years, China's going to surpass us, China's going to surpass us. All of a sudden, they didn't surpass us anymore. It is what it is. Look, elections have consequences. Kayla McEnany had this to say. Yeah, China uh, stands on notice because this president has been unmistakable uh, in standing up to China. You've seen him with the phase two China deal, pushing that deal through like no other president could or has in history. Um, he's taken action, sanctioning against the abusive treatment of the Uyghurs, no longer recognizing Hong Kong's autonomous status because of Chinese intervention. So this president has stood unmistakable. Uh, China may try to sanction back, as you, as you just noted, uh, but this president has stood firm against China and he'll continue to. 
true. Where does Joe Biden stand? Well, here's Joe Biden. Let me ask you about China, because in 2011, when you were vice president, you said, quote, it is in our self-interest that China continue to prosper. A lot of people think that allowing China into the World Trade Organization, which you supported, extending most favored nation status to China, which you supported, that those steps allowed China to take advantage of the United States by using our own open trade deals against us. No, Do well, you think in retrospect that you were naive about China? No. Here's the thing. In the context of that, we want China to grow. We don't want to have a war with China. I said to Xi Jinping when I was I remember, you may remember the president wanted me to spend time with him as vice president. He's going to be president, and he couldn't do it. So I traveled around the world with him. He asked, he said, why do you keep saying you're Pacific power? I said, because we are. We are Pacific power. And if we weren't, you would not have been able to have any stability at all. It's in our interest that China be stable. It's going to be a rough four years. All right, we got a great show what China is, what they want. We'll be right back. Joining me now, former congressman and current dean of business at Liberty University, Dave Bratt. And actually, I want to start right there, congressman, not at Liberty, because I understand you all probably don't have exactly a big issue with the commies invading, but there used to be a punchline in conservative circles. We talk about commie college campuses <clears throat> and commie professors. Today, it's fairly open. We're either busting new ones or they're just openly professing communism on college campus. Can you rewind for me and tell me how in the world we let this happen? Yeah, well, uh, we let it happen through higher education, through the universities. Uh, the parents for decades thought it was kind of cute, right? The, uh, the U.S. was unquestioned superpower. There's no need to worry. Uh, no foreign power can attack us uh, externally using kinetic you know, warfare armies and tanks and that kind of thing. So we're, we're totally safe, right? Uh, but as Rome fell uh, internally, we are falling internally as well uh, through our own psychology and our own education. And so the Marxists move on to, moved on to, you know, neo-Marxist theory, which has overtaken the university. And, uh, you know, go back to uh, The Soul of the American University by Alan Bloom was written about in 86. If you want a quick review, de devastating critique of higher ed uh, from the Chicago school, who's no friend of uh, Marxist theory. And so that's Alan Bloom and Leo Strauss and the highest end scholars in the world. Uh, and he, he already uh, summarized uh, what had befallen the country by then. And so now... Uh, it's been a maturation of that process. And the kids and the faculty themselves don't even realize what Marxist stuff is. But in, in simple terms, uh, there's no allegiance to truth with a capital T. That's the quickest way you can tell, right? And the first line of his book is the, the only absolute that exists on a, on a college campus right now is that there are no moral absolutes. Right, so the only absolute is that everything is relative. 
And that's a sure sign that the Marxists have their hooks into things. And uh, I can expand on that. But uh, that's based once once a university is no longer committed to pursuing truth, uh, you're in trouble. And just go to any university's mission statement. They're not interested at all. They're interested in diversity and democracy. Maybe they'll say human rights. Uh, but in essence, what they're saying to you is all cultures are equal. And then Bloom goes on to say, once you do the social science on that, and, they, and the university sent you know legions of anthropologists and psychologists across the world uh, to explore these diverse cultures, and the, they were shocked and horrified to find out uh, the science shows we are not equal at all. Cultures are very different. And it turns out the West might be best in terms of how we treat human beings. And that horrified and shocked the left. So then they had to decimate the, the social science project, uh, which they have done. And uh, so we're on a steady, steady march. Dean, explain this to me. How overt is China in pushing this stuff on, a, on college campuses? What I'm asking is, is there a group of Chinese commies smoking cigars somewhere, <laughs> laying out the curriculum for Harvard's next semester just so they can manipulate that group of students? Or is this something where the professors, I mean, you brought it up briefly, are almost unwittingly teaching it anyway without even knowing that that's what they've been taught? Right, right. No, the, the Chinese are much more sophisticated, more advanced, I, I, I mentioned on this show before in relation to war, they, they wrote a book uh, uh, called Unrestricted Warfare back in 1999. You can go Google it. It's free on the web by two colonels who are now generals. Uh, they said we're going after you with an information war, economic war, ideological war. And that's what they've done. They've made friends and funded all of our elites. They fund the Wall Street Journal. They fund the New York Times. They fund the Washington Post, right? So when you have a, a regime, a tyrannical regime, over 1.4 billion people, all children of God, we don't have any problem with the Chinese people. But the CCP and the regime uh, is tyrannical. And uh, our major institutions are still funding and doing trade with them and making deals with them. With Biden, it's all back to all back to all his uh, his new triumvirate up there, right? The uh, Secretary of Defense, Secretary of State, head of national security, et cetera. It's back to the old ways of doing business. Uh, and it's clear China's going to be uh, back in business. And so they, they uh, Trump was the exception, right? Uh, were we going to stick to that new logic? That was the big test. That would have been a big uh, devastation for China. Uh, but uh, China, we'll, we'll find out the intelligence on the election as well. That'll be interesting. But uh, China's, it looks like they're back in play. Okay. So going forward, let's assume for a moment that Joe Biden is going to be sworn in. Let's, let's just make that assumption he is. Can he reverse everything Trump did with China? Or, or are there some things that Trump did that are really going <laughs> to stay no matter what? Yeah, well, the the uh, supply chain issue and damage done due to COVID and the, we saw the error of our ways, right? Finance 101 is diversify. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. We had all of our supply chains in China. So that part, you know, it isn't going to be uh, turned around completely, right? We're going to pull some of the supply chains back. I hope we move some of the supply chains uh, to sub-Saharan Africa, which is the one region in the world that needs our help. They are the poorest of the poor, uh, and 
we should make uh, Judeo-Christian deals with them, right? Labor in exchange for capital and fair contracts uh, for minerals, et cetera, that are, are transparent. They're very upset with the Chinese right now. So it's a perfect time for the U.S. to make some inroads uh, and make some new uh, relationships and friendships with Sub-Saharan Africa. And uh, so we have some openings, uh, but yeah, China, China's back in play. Uh, they're going to come on full force. Uh, big data, right? The, the, the big six big tech firms in the U.S., their market cap is bigger than the market cap of all European markets combined. Our top six firms are worth more than all of the European markets combined, Germany, France, Belgium, Netherlands, whatever, right? So uh, if they decide to buddy up with China or share data or share backdoors or whatever, uh, we need to keep an eye on that because we saw what they were willing to do to a sitting president. Uh, and that, that should be your wake-up call. No matter what you make of the president, the fact that corporations are stiff-arming the head, head of this country is, is, is problematic. If they decide to buddy up with China, isn't Google already yeah. walking hand-in-hand yeah. hand with China, or is that just yeah. one of these Internet rumors? No, they are. They are in our firms, right? China has put up their 5G system that spies on all their people, has a social credit score that keeps uh, a score on every individual in China, facial recognition, personal identity, kids. If you misbehave, you don't get to fly, you don't get to send your kid to college, you don't get to buy a house, you don't get a car. This is all in place. And U.S. firms built that system that is repressing 1.4 billion human beings. So the ne next time you hear these giant tech firms saying they're humanistic and they care about human beings and they want you to be happy and we should all have a group hug, uh, that is an intellectual lie of the first order. And this country needs to morally wake up any day now. We are asleep at the wheel morally. Uh, it, 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 the, the new morality is if you're nice, right? You can be repressive as long as you smile and are nice to people. That's the new highest good, and it's it's falsehood, right? They're repressing, they're damaging the lives of a billion people, and uh, it doesn't matter how much they donate to save the whales or save the oceans. They're not, they're not nice people. Do we have stopped China from becoming what they are? I, I understand this is a Chiang Kai-shek going down type thing, goes clear back to the 40s, but could we have stopped them from becoming what they are? Yeah, oh, ab absolutely. You just We set up the Bretton Woods system after uh, World War II, uh, set up, you know, Germany had rules of the game for them, and we didn't require China to follow the same system of rules that ended up working out well for the Germans and the Japanese, right? It's not like we put the rules in place to hurt people. You put the law in place to help people. And uh, we didn't hold uh, China to the same, and uh, now we're paying the price for it, and we should have known better. All of our first principles have been broken, right? We have monopolies running all over this country. Market power is all out of whack. Political power is all out of whack. We're violating every tenant of James Madison and Adam Smith, every single one. Congressman Dave Brad, thank you, sir. I appreciate you. Thank you, Jesse. You too. Thank you. All right. We'll be back.
Joining me now is a special treat for me, historian, former Lieutenant Colonel, United States Marine Corps Semper Fi, Oliver North, out with the book, America's Number One Adversary. Colonel, who is America's Number One Adversary? There's no doubt about it. His picture's right there in the front of that book. He's an evil guy, right? this fellow right here. Uh, you know, he, he is an evil person. He loves to be called the president of China trying to emulate maybe the president of the United States, but he's also employing all of those formidable levers of power as the general secretary of the Communist Party against his own people, the United States, our democratic allies around the globe, and their theft of intellectual property threatens our national security and that of all our closest friends. He's an evil guy. Colonel, before we get to the specifics of what he's doing, can you break down for people who don't know what is the power structure like there? How much power does he have? There are dictators and then there are dictators. Is he the God King? Does he have five guys around him who are just as powerful? What is the power structure? Well, he does answer to a Politburo. There's no doubt about it, same as Stalin did. But this guy's willingness to allow tons of illicit addictive drugs to be exported all around the rest of the world endangers millions of people. His false territorial claims over vast expanses of the open seas, the erection of man-made islands, or in fact, military bastions, provide all kinds of visual proof of his determination. He wants to dominate the world. And you know, there's, a, there's an old expression about the Chinese, it goes back centuries. They run a 100-year marathon, and that's what this guy is doing. This guy has actually got more power than any of his predecessors. He, in fact, controls the civilian and the military and all of what he's been doing is aimed at that domination factor. He wants to be there forever. There's no term limits over there. There's no limits of his power. And other than something like what we did with the communist government that Ronald Reagan used to call the evil empire, there's probably no way of dealing with him other than the soft and, and quite frankly, the military power of the United States and our allies in that part of the world. We've got some great allies out there. He knows it, but he's also taking like those islands that he's built up, the, the pictures of him you see up on the internet are real. This guy is a very, very powerful figure. And even more threatening are their overt and their covert actions to thwart the UN sanctions against Tehran. Just as in North Korea, Xi's determination all but ensures that the Ayatollahs in Iran will obtain nuclear weapons and the means to deliver them. And he's built those kinds of relationships with the Ayatollahs. Why Iran? What does he get out of that? What's the, what's the Chinese connection with Iran? Is it just uh, they oppose America? Is it just that simple? No, it's, it's, I think it's more than that, Jesse. I think what you've really got there is they realize in Beijing that the Ayatollahs are capable of self-destruction. And if they can use a nuclear weapon, they probably will. And so Chinese are going to help, the, help them build those weapons. And that means that they have to build fewer of them. And, and the idea is, of course encouraging the Ayatollahs to carry out their threat. Tell me about these man-made islands. A lot of people hear about this, but they don't go any further than that. Where are they? What are they doing with them? Honestly, a man-made island sounds pretty cool. Sure. It's a means of controlling the freedom of navigation in that part of the world. So what they do is they dredge up coral from underneath the ocean, and they use that coral to build what they say are simply bastions of military strength. They promised that they wouldn't arm them, but they have. And the idea is that 
in the event of some kind of hostilities, let's just say, for example, that they decide to make Taiwan part of the mainland. You know, Taiwan's title, Formosa, their title is part of the People's Republic of China, according to those in Beijing. They want to be a free and independent country. Look at Hong Kong, where the idea of, of, of freedom has now been crushed. You've got the Communist Party in China, instrumental in the worldwide spread of COVID-19. It's hurt us far more than it's hurt them. The economies in dozens of countries around the world are threatened by their so-called Belt and Road Initiative. If you go to OliverNorth.com, you'll see what those islands look like. Click on the red, the red uh, line above my head, and you can see what we've posted about these things. And I'll tell you right now, that's not going to be an easy campaign if you have to go take them back one at a time. What's this Belt and Road Initiative? <laughs> it's their way of buying out. Uh, let's, let's say there's a, a rare earth metal that you need to build everything from televisions to cell phones, and it's in an African country. They come in offering, look, we'll build a road for you all the way out to that mine where you're, where you're taking that stuff out of the ground. And by the way, if you, if you can't make payments on what we're taking, we'll come in and seize the whole thing. And, and all of what that Belt and Road Initiative is doing is making it more difficult for those countries to survive because the economic terms look terrific when they're first coming in, building highways. They got, they got engineers all over the place in Africa, sub-Saharan Africa, and what they're trying to do is make sure that they have access to all those kinds of things that they need in order to continue to become a great power. And, and, and we've cooperated with them all along. This, the frightening thing is, given the administration is likely to come into power here on the 20th of January, those guys have been dealing with the Russian, with, excuse me, with the Chinese all along. And we all know about Hunter Biden. I, I'm very concerned that what we're gonna try to do is to reestablish the kinds of rapport with them that we've had in the past. It's been a terrible mistake on our part, and they're gonna take advantage of it if the Biden administration takes off as, it's, as it seems to be. Colonel, what's the North Korea-Chinese relationship? Is this two equal brothers? Is this father-son? Do they hate each other? I think people were confused about what exactly their relationship is. I mean, people obviously know a bunch of United States Marines and soldiers killed a bunch of commie Chinese back in Korea in the day, but what is the relationship now? Well, North Korea is dependent upon Chinese help in building nuclear weapons. They're absolutely dependent on it. They're depending on the Chinese for economic assistance. They're dependent on the Chinese for coal and fuel to keep the country warm, the, at least the leadership of the country warm in the upcoming winter. All of those kinds of things happen because the leaders of both countries understand each other. The Chinese people don't care for the Koreans and the Koreans don't care for them. They actually fought a border war here about uh, eight, 10 years ago. And, and, they and when you think about backing up those two countries, with what this the new administration is likely to do if they get in power, that's not good for us. I, I, I see them, the communist Chinese, as the number one threat, the number one adversary to this country today. And President Trump has been dealing with it very effectively. My concern is, well, all of that's about to disappear on the 20th of January. You bring up Taiwan, and I understand China just considers Taiwan to be part of China anyway. So why haven't they taken it? What, what's holding them back? Is it us? Is it Britain? Is it somebody else? No, it's the United States and our allies in that part of the world. Look, at we, we've got great relationships with the Japanese. We've got great relationships with the Australians. 
what we need to be doing is broadening that relationship. So, for example, India, which has certainly fought many times against the Chinese, you got to get India brought closer, if you will, to this commonwealth of nations, of democracies, in opposing what the Chinese are doing economically as well as militarily. The, the communist Chinese now have more ships in their Navy than we have in ours. And it's not simply a, a local phenomenon. They've got their ships out there in the Indian Ocean right now and in, in the Persian Gulf guarding against what they call piracy. But it's, it's presence operations. They're showing the flag. And, and what, of course, Xi really wants is to be seen as something other than what he is, a vicious dictator. What's the quality of their ships, their equipment in general versus ours? Well, over the last 10 years, they've done a lot to improve it. There's no doubt about it. And they're building carriers. They're building the kinds of vessels that you need in order to launch offensive operations around the rest of the world. And I think it's entirely possible you find the Indian Ocean be dominated by them if we're not very careful. And that means a, a very close relationship with India, with Australia, making sure that the others realize the threat that they face. Now, the Chinese just declared a, a new economic cabal out in that part of the world. And what they're looking at is just, in, in, in short terms, a propaganda effort. But that potentially is a trading, a so-called free trade zone. It's not an immediate problem, but over time it could be. The book is America's number one adversary. Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North, Semper Fi, sir. It's appreci appreciate it. Semper Fi, Jesse. God bless you, buddy. That guy's awesome. All right, we got more. Hang on. Joining me now, former congressman and current dean of business at Liberty University, Dave Bratt. And actually, I want to start right there, congressman, not at Liberty, because I understand you all probably don't have exactly a big issue with the commies invading. But it used to be a punchline in conservative circles. We talk about commie college campuses <clears throat> and commie professors today. It's fairly open. We're either busting new ones or they're just openly professing communism on college campus. Can you rewind for me and tell me how in the world we let this happen? Yeah, well, uh, we let it happen through higher education, through the universities. Uh, the parents for decades thought it was kind of cute, right? The, uh, the U.S. was unquestioned superpower. There's no need to worry. Uh, no foreign power can attack us uh, externally using kinetic, you know, warfare armies and tanks and that kind of thing. So we're, we're totally safe, right? Uh, but as Rome fell uh, internally, we are falling internally as well uh, through our own psychology and our own education. And so the Marxists move on to, moved on to, you know, neo-Marxist theory, which has overtaken the university. And, uh, you know, go back to uh, The Soul of the American University by Alan Bloom was written about in 86. If you want a quick review, de devastating critique of higher ed uh, from the Chicago school, who's no friend of uh, Marxist theory. And so that's Alan Bloom and Leo Strauss and the highest end scholars in the world. Uh, and he, he already uh, summarized uh, what had befallen the country by then. And so now, uh, it's been a maturation of that process. 
and the kids and the faculty themselves don't even realize what Marxist stuff is. But in in simple terms, uh, there's no allegiance to truth with a capital T. That's the quickest way you can tell, right? And the first line of his book is the the only absolute that exists on a on a college campus right now is that there are no moral absolutes, right? So the only absolute is that everything is relative. And that's a sure sign that the Marxists have their hooks into things. And uh, I can expand on that. But uh, that's based once once a university is no longer committed to pursuing truth, uh, you're in trouble. And just go to any university's mission statement. They're not interested at all. They're interested in diversity and democracy. Maybe they'll say human rights. uh, But in essence, what they're saying to you is all cultures are equal. And then Bloom goes on to say, once you do the social science on that, and, they, and the university sent, you know, legions of anthropologists and psychologists across the world uh, to explore these diverse cultures, and the, they were shocked and horrified to find out uh, the science shows we are not equal at all. Cultures are very different, and it turns out the West might be best in terms of how we treat human beings. And that horrified and shocked the left, so then they had to decimate the, the social science project uh, which they have done, and uh, so we're on a steady, steady march. Dean, explain this to me. How overt is China in pushing this stuff on on college campuses? What I'm asking is: Is there a group of Chinese commies smoking cigars somewhere, <laughs> laying out the curriculum for Harvard's <laughs> next semester, just so they can manipulate that group of students? Or is this something where the professors, I mean, you brought it up briefly, are almost unwittingly teaching it anyway without even knowing that that's what they've been taught? Right, right. No, the the Chinese are much more sophisticated, more advanced. I, I, I mentioned on this show before in relation to war, they, they wrote a book uh, uh, called Unrestricted Warfare back in 1999. You can go Google it. It's free on the web by two colonels who are now generals. Uh, they said we're going after you with an information war, economic war, ideological war. And that's what they've done. They've made friends and funded all of our elites. They fund the Wall Street Journal. They fund the New York Times. They fund the Washington Post, right? So when you have a, a regime, a tyrannical regime, over 1.4 billion people, all children of God, we don't have any problem with the Chinese people. But the CCP and the regime uh, is tyrannical. And uh, our major institutions are still funding and doing trade with them and making deals with them. With Biden, it's all back to all back to all his uh, his new triumvirate up there, right? The uh, Secretary of Defense, Secretary of State, head of national security, et cetera. It's back to the old ways of doing business. Uh, and it's clear China's going to be uh, back in business. And so they, they uh, Trump was the exception, right? Uh, were we going to stick to that new logic? That was the big test. That would have been a big uh, devastation for China. Uh, but uh, China, we'll, we'll find out the intelligence on the election as well. That'll be interesting. But uh, China's, it looks like they're back in play. Okay, so going forward, let's assume for a moment that Joe Biden is going to be sworn in. Let's, let's just make that assumption he is. Can he reverse everything Trump did with China? Or, or are there some things that Trump did that are really going <laughs> to stay no matter what? 
Yeah, well, the the uh, supply chain issue and damage done due to COVID and the, we saw the error of our ways, right? Finance 101 is diversify. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. We had all of our supply chains in China. So that part, you know, it isn't going to be uh, turned around completely, right? We're going to pull some of the supply chains back. I hope we move some of the supply chains uh, to sub-Saharan Africa, which is the one region in the world that needs our help. They are the poorest of the poor, uh, and we should make uh, Judeo-Christian deals with them, right? Labor in exchange for capital and fair contracts uh, for minerals, et cetera, that are, are transparent. They're very upset with the Chinese right now. So it's a perfect time for the U.S. to make some inroads uh, and make some new uh, relationships and friendships with sub-Saharan Africa. And uh, so we have some openings, uh, but yeah, China, China's back in play. Uh, they're going to come on full force. Uh, big data, right? The, the, the big six big tech firms in the U.S., their market cap is bigger than the market cap of all European markets combined. Our top six firms are worth more than all of the European markets combined, Germany, France, Belgium, Netherlands, whatever, right? So uh, if they decide to buddy up with China or share data or share backdoors or whatever, uh, we need to keep an eye on that because we saw what they were willing to do to a sitting president. Uh, and that, that should be your wake-up call. No matter what you make of the president, the fact that corporations are stiff-arming the head, head of this country is, is, is problematic. If they decide to buddy up with China, isn't Google already yeah. walking hand yeah. in hand with China? Or is that just yeah. one of these internet rumors? No, they are. They are in our firms, right? China has put up their 5G system that spies on all their people, has a social credit score that keeps uh, a score on every individual in China, facial recognition, personal identity, kids. If you misbehave, you don't get to fly. You don't get to send your kid to college. You don't get to buy a house. You don't get a car. This is all in place. And U.S. firms built that system that is repressing 1.4 billion human beings. So the next time you hear these giant tech firms saying they're humanistic and they care about human beings and they want you to be happy and we should all have a group hug, uh, that is an intellectual lie of the first order. And this country needs to morally wake up any day now. We are asleep at the wheel, morally. Uh, it, 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 the, the new morality is if you're nice, right? You can be repressive as long as you smile and are nice to people. That's the new highest good, and it's, it's falsehood, right? They're repressing, they're damaging the lives of a billion people. And uh, it doesn't matter how much they donate to save the whales or save the oceans. They're not, they're not nice people. Do we have stopped China from becoming what they are? I, I understand this is a Chiang Kai-shek going down type thing, goes clear back to the 40s, but could we have stopped them from becoming what they are? Yeah, oh, ab absolutely. You just We set up the Bretton Woods system after uh, World War II, uh, set up, you know, Germany had rules of the game for them, and we didn't require China to follow the same system of rules that ended up working out well for the Germans and the Japanese, right? It's not like we put the rules in place to hurt people. You put the law in place to help people. And uh, we didn't hold uh, China to the same, and uh, now we're paying the price for it, and we should have known better. All of our first principles have been broken. 
right? We have monopolies running all over this country. Market power is all out of whack. Political power is all out of whack. We're violating every tenant of James Madison and Adam Smith, every single one. Congressman Dave, Brad, thank you, sir. I appreciate you. Thank you, Jesse. You too. Thank you. All right. We'll be back. Best thing you and I can do over the next four years, especially if Joe Biden is sworn in. Obviously, we'll talk about the China stuff, what he does, what he doesn't do. Educate your family, educate your friends on why it matters. It does matter. You and I have only ever known being the number one superpower in the world. This is the only time in our lives that there is another legitimate challenger to the throne. Things can easily tilt over the next few years, and we can be number two. You don't want to be number two. The difference between being number one and number two is drastic. Talk to family. Talk to friends about it. We'll get through it. All right. I'll see you. You know... Your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint and your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one, get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE that gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters— With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. 
Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.